spread really fast. I can feel it in my spirit. So I'm very confident of what the Lord is doing already. And God's already doing a mighty work in our midst. Today, I'm going to go to the seventh uh, message on successful family life. Successful family life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Stand up with me. We're going to be reading from Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Romans 5, verse 17. Five seventeen. It says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one. Jesus. Can we read that together, please? For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Father, I want to thank you. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. Speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, you have received abundance of grace. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, God's favor is upon your life. You are full of God's favor. You have received abundance of grace upon your, that's what's upon your life right now. But also, you have received the gift of righteousness. It's the gift that came from God to you. All you have to do is receive it. You don't have to work for it. Just receive. God's not giving just a little grace. God's giving to everyone abundance of grace. What that means is God is empowering you to do what is right before him. That's the gift of righteousness. It's empowering you to have this gift of righteousness so you are able to do what's right so that he can bless you. God's a giver. God cannot help himself. He has to give because he is love. He is love. God is love and he's looking for people to bless, people to give to. God's a giver. So he has empowered us through this abundance of grace so that we can obey him. And he has given us also the gift of righteousness so that we have the right standing to stand in his presence. And as we come into his presence, we never leave his presence without something good from the throne for our lives and for your family. And so we have from the word of God instruction in righteousness. 
Why? Because you have already, you are already been uh, empowered by God. You've already been empowered by God to know what is right and to do what is right so that you line yourself before God and line yourself so that God can pour his blessings upon you. It's all by the grace of God. And so when we're talking about family life, we are saying you already have the power to do what's right. And I'm coming on a message. Usually I do this on a Wednesday night. But hopefully I can do it on Sunday. But I'm going to show you later when I get into that message why it is that God has healed you emotionally so that you don't have to go through emotional stress and all of those things, grief and all of that stuff. Pain, sorrows. We're going to be talking about that. And not just for a message because we don't, don't preach a message. We preach so that you receive your healing. You receive your freedom in that area of life. And that's what we're, what we're about. Now, the Word of God talks about, amen, I'm going to start with where, where we stopped last week, about wives in their relationship with their husband. God commanded in Colossians chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Husbands, love your wives. Why is God telling you to do that? You have been empowered to. Amen. You have been empowered by the grace of God to love your wife. If you are not loving your wife, you are not responding to the grace that is already poured upon your life. You can love your wife. Amen. If you're not, you are not willing to do it. But if you set your heart to do it, the power is being made available for you to do just that. Husband, love your wives and do not be bitter against them. That also says you have the power not to be bitter. But you need knowledge. Amen? You need knowledge. Because knowledge is power. A wise man is strong. And a man of knowledge, yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. So we need the knowledge. It's not like you don't have the power. And please don't believe that you don't have the power because you will be going against God's word. God says you have the power. And in fact, God says, let the weak say, I am strong. You can't be weak. All you need to do is use your mouth and then you're strong. It's not like we're deceiving ourselves. Well, I'm really weak, but I'm just saying I'm strong. That's not what it is. You are strong when you say it from your mouth because God has poured abundance of grace into your life. You can be strong. That's why Paul said we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. And, and that power is in your tongue. God gave that. I will give you a mouth, Jesus said, that your enemies will not be able to withstand. Amen. That's your mouth. He gave that. He's not saying, he said, I'm going to give you that. And when you receive Jesus, guess what you got? He gave you that mouth so that you can win in life. Amen. So you, we just need to know what to do. But there are certain things, just normal, that you need to understand about your wife so that you don't get all the way to the left, getting angry and all of that. You need to understand and so you can position yourself not to do this. And also, it's for the women as well. 
One of the problems, like I said, marriage is conflict. And two people coming from different backgrounds. One likes to hang his clothes up or her clothes up neatly. The other one could kill us. And then they fight over, why don't you, why don't And it's a big fight. And they want to separate based on one hanging his clothes neatly and the other one not. But that's happening. You're laughing, but it's happening. They go to the counselor. I just don't know why he will not do this. And then, you know, for men, they use the bathroom. Hey, I'm guilty. And they just walk away and the woman says, you did it again. You're always doing this. And why can't you, in the message, why don't you just put it down? And they have a big battle. World War III. <laughs> Over the commode, amen. Tell that to your counselor. <laughs> mm. and, and, and it says that the woman, most of the time, the woman doesn't fight fear. That's some of the things that happen. When they get frustrated, the word, you always, you never, you are so, and guess what the man wants to do? You're putting me down. I'm going to defend. I'm pushing back. That's not true. And they fight over that. Something the man needs to watch. Treating the man like a child. We talked about that. And just talking down to your husband. And, and usually you're just trying to make him do what you think he should be doing, right? <laughs> it's called manipulation, right? <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but you're doing it. Hopefully, hopefully he's going to listen to you and change. Guess what he does? He gets bitter. He gets angry because he's not a woman. He doesn't see it the way you see it. So we got to watch. Involving other people in your marriage. That, I said it last week, those little talks with your friends about men don't appreciate that. They want their marriage with you, stay with you, my wife. And talking about his weaknesses and whatever, he knows you know them. But talking about them to your friends really embarrasses him. And he can stand you, neither can he stand your friends too. You don't want them in his house. Because you're telling them things about him. He gets bitter. And we have another problem. So the the same thing, talking to your parents, your family now. You have to be real clear about that. A man shall leave father and mother and be joined to his wife. For me personally, my wife is number one in my life. This is my family now. I don't That's extended family. You understand what it means? extended family when I want to extend to them I extend when I don't want to let them go this is my real family my wife and my children I don't involve family not my mother I was very clear to my mother you got right to speak now to me before I get married after I get married you, you have no say you can advise me but you don't tell me what to do in my home That's all gone. I'm not going to call you. I won't talk to you about my wife. And so these things are very important. If you have to say something, I said talk to somebody else, a counselor, maybe your pastor, 
somebody that will keep that thing confidential between the you and them. That's very important. But don't talk to your friends about it. You're married now. And don't talk to your family member. Don't be a mama's boy. <laughs> Always running back to your mother. Not showing appreciation for things he does. He's the head. Men want to be told you're doing good, even if he's not doing that good, but <laughs> he wants to hear it. And guess what it does? It motivates him, right? It shows that you appreciate this little stuff. And he says to himself, I did that little stuff, and she likes it. Guess what? I'm coming with you next time. He's going to start to do more and more. But if you keep cutting him, He's not going to try to do anything. He says, I've tried everything. He's not working. That's what you hear. Withholding intimacy as punishment. We talked about that, and I'm not going further in with that. Six. That's the one I'm going to. Trying to change him. Trying to change a man. That's a difficult task. It's hard. You know, many times I watched, uh, uh, you know, Christian girls when I was single in college, and, and, and you see these girls, they want to date this guy. They know he's nuts. But in their heart, they're thinking, after I got him cornered, I'm going to change him. <laughs> You're lying to yourself. <laughs> he's not going to change, I guarantee you. If you accept him the way he is, you should accept him when he comes to you with all that he's got. You're not going to change him. The more you try to change him, the more he sees manipulation, he gets angry, he gets bitter. He's not going to change. If you see something, and especially young people who are dating, if you see something in the man and you don't like it, don't overlook it. Because it's not going to go away. Unless he takes it away. He will show up. If he's small now, when he gets into your home, he's going to be bigger. If he's miserable, don't think you're going to make him joyful when you bring him in with your, your, your looks and everything. Uh, he's going to be more miserable when he gets in. You're not going to change a man. You know, a lot of Christian women, they do this. They want their husbands to be the head of the family, the spiritual head of the home, right? And so they keep pushing the Bible <laughs> to him. He said, why don't you do this? And, and why don't you act like this brother so-and-so? He knows the scriptures. Guess what you're doing? Do they change? Absolutely not. If you continue with that, he may decide he doesn't want to go to church anymore. Because you're making him feel less of a spiritual person than he thinks he is. You can't change a person. It's not your job to change anybody. You change and watch God change the man. You can't change him. The best thing is let him be. <laughs> Instead of talking to him, talk to him. About him and what you want him to do to him. He's the only one that can change him. You cannot. 
You see, until a man's eyes are open, I'm talking about all, all humans now, to something, they're not going to change. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You can't change the man. The best thing to do is pray for them. And, and you may be surprised. He comes in and says, I just got a new revelation. And you say, what is it? He's telling you what you've already known. Now he's willing to change. That's when to tell him more. That's when, because he, he asked for it. But trying to change a man doesn't ever work. The best thing is you do what you have to do and leave him alone with his God. And let God change him. Don't get bitter and say, well, he's not being a spiritual head, therefore I'm not going to go to church. I'm going I'm to show him. Guess who's going to pay more price for that? You will. If he doesn't want to go, you go. If he doesn't want to study, you study. If he doesn't want to go to prayer meeting, just leave him alone. And let God change him. And your attitude may be what will really change him. But if you keep handling him, and he doesn't want to come home because you keep trying to change him, he sees you as nagging. And he wants to live in the corner of the roof there somewhere, away from this wicked in the mind. But all you're trying to do is to make him do right. He doesn't see it that way. He gets bitter. The best thing to do is let him be and then focus on your God and God will change him. Amen? Don't try to change anybody. In fact, preachers have gotten to the point where um, they call it witchcraft. If you're trying to manipulate somebody to make him change, to do what you think is the right thing to do, just leave him alone. Let God deal with him. That way you have peace in your home. And when there is peace in your home, the Holy Spirit can move even more when there is peace in the home. But when you attack and you're calling names and all of that, there's so much rancor in the home. The Holy Spirit, in my mind, you know, he's a gentleman. Who changes lives? Who created all things? Who brought things that are unseen into the natural world? The Holy Spirit. And he's a gentleman. is easily grieved. That's why Jesus said to us, if you sin against the Father, that's okay. God will forgive you. If you sin against the Son, that's okay. God will forgive you. But if you sin against the Holy Spirit, because of his nature, he is the one that is going to impact the forgiveness to you. You got nowhere to go. So the thing is to maintain a home where the peace rules because he is the prince of peace. And when he comes into your home with his majesty, things will begin to change. You got to rely on him. Amen? Seventh thing, making important decisions without his, without his involvement. You got to watch out for those. Making important decisions without his invo- involvement. He is the head of the home. Even if he's, you think he's not taking his place, you still need to let him know, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? Because he may not say a word to you about what you've done, but guess what? He gets bitter inside. That's the problem. He gets bitter inside, and one day it's is something else, and he's acting up, and you're wondering what happened. He's been bitter for a while. He's been bitter because you make decisions that affect his life, 
and the whole family, and he doesn't have any clue as to what's going on. Uh, you can't do that. These are some of the things that get the, when the Bible says, husband, love your wife, and don't be bitter against them. I'm trying to say some of the things that can actually cause a man to be bitter. Notice, God didn't tell the woman not to be bitter. He said it to the man. And he created us. He knows the man. He knows his makeup. And we need to know how to live with our wives according to knowledge, according to the word of God. And so this is one thing that we need to watch, watch you know, talk about it, come into agreement before you carry out any decision that will affect him, his life and the whole family. Amen? This is important. Not giving him the chance to be the kind of dad he would like to be. You know, when, when it comes to parenting, wives generally parent different from their husband, but not necessarily better. A man cannot tolerate certain things. They can't tolerate incompetence. And the fact that the individual needs to be able to handle things on their own, men cannot handle that. So, we need to, the women need to be very aware of it. Competency and independence is very important to the husband. So, they hand the kids about that. Never suggest in the presence of your kids that he is not parenting in the right way. The kids will pick up that. And what you've just done when you do that is you have sown the seed of rebellion. They won't listen to him and they won't listen to you either. When it comes to parenting, even though the styles are, dif- the, the, uh, styles are different, you must always present before the kids a united front. Uh, kids are very smart. They can tell when mama doesn't like the way papa is doing it. And guess what they do? They go behind mama, and now you got papa on one side, and the kids with mama on the other side, and we got a big world war going on in the home. And guess what? The man gets bitter. Because in his own home, he feels like an outsider. He tries to discipline the kids the way he thinks he should go and the woman, the woman stands in his face. And the kids are saying, give it to him, mama, give it to him. You got a war in the house. What you're doing is actually causing a lot of problems for the kids. <laughs> I know how it works in our home. You tell the kids something, they say, but mama says this. I said, yeah, but I'm telling you now, Papa says this, okay? And so we've learned, when they come to me, Mama, they're asking something, I go, what did your Mama say? And if Mama says something different from what I'm thinking, I don't say a word. Because we have to present a united front. 
If I disagree, I have to go to mama. What did you do? I wouldn't let that go. But you let them go. But I don't show that sign that we're, we're, we're separate in what we've decided. And uh, when they come to me and mama said this and this and I disagree, I walk up to mama, is that right? <laughs> so we can verify what's really going on here. And the kids will always play mama and papa against each other. They always do that. And if you don't wise up to it and stand your ground, they'll separate you. It's called divide and conquer. <laughs> this time they are conquering their parents. We have to be wise. Amen? Be as wise as serpent, harmless as dove. Basically, what we're giving, some of us, we've parented, our kids are already grown. No, nothing can be t- uh, said to you at this point. But maybe you can look back and see some of the things where you've made a little bit of mistakes here. And then you can talk to your children that are grown so that you can help them so we don't make the same mistakes. They don't make the same mistakes that we've made. Another thing that will cause a man to be bitter is if he perceives his wife to be very jealous. Uh-huh. That's a problem where he feels like he cannot even turn his head anywhere. He's being challenged and all of that. Uh, and she's constantly, that usually drives a man crazy. We need to mention that that's the ninth thing. And then the, th- the tenth is do not expect quick forgiveness when things are just the nature of man. Uh, he forgives, but he's going to come around. Men always like to process things. Amen? Now, with a woman, once the, emotions, the emotional feeling is gone, it's over. But a man, he has to think through it. So give him time to think through it and don't keep pushing it. He, he's going to let go. And usually, once that decision is reached, he's solid. Amen? It's behind him. But he's got he's to walk those through. I'm going to say this to uh, uh, women. This is another scripture here uh, where, that God spoke to women. He says in 1 Peter 3, verse 1 and 2, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, that is, even some husbands do not obey the word, they without a word may be one by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. It goes back to what we were saying about changing the man. Even when the man is not even a Christian, talking and nagging him and showing him things, that's not going to work. Your submission to him even though love is lacking, care is lacking, and affection is lacking, like there's nothing really to submit to. But because he is the head of the house and he represents Jesus, you make up your mind. It's the covenant between you and God himself. I'm going to do this. And he said, without even showing him John 3.16, he will begin to pick up the fact that something is up here with this woman. My wife is different. 
And his friends, when they come around you, uh, come around him, and they see the way you're treating him, they know him, they know his ways. And they see the way you're treating him with respect, that's the word fear there, is respect. They see how you're treating him with respect, they'll probably say something like this to him, man, I wish I have a wife like your wife. And he begins to think, wow, I didn't realize I had such a good wife. His eyes are beginning to get opened. And then he hears another man say the same thing. Maybe his boss, right? And he is, wow, I have a good wife. <laughs> and then guess what? The fear comes in, I don't want to lose this one. Amen? I, I don't want to lose this. Because now he's heard from his friend, he's heard from his boss. They all think he has a great wife. And then he begins to wonder, how come they don't have a wife as great as my wife? And something goes above, goes on. Church. Amen. <laughs> Jesus. Because that's what she does. She reads, she studies the scriptures, she prays. She says, Maybe that's why she's different from these other women. And, and, and all of a sudden, he says, uh, Maria, I, I think I want to go to church with you this Sunday. And how would you respond? Oh, that's wonderful. My church people will love you. And then go to your room, shoot yourself, and do a little dance. <laughs> because God has already put his hook. He's going to be saved. He's going to be saved. And when he's saved, he's going to be the best husband. Because he wants to match what you've got. Amen? You are his standard. And then as he begins to learn that he is the head of the home, he wants to rise above that and to show you I can also be a good man. Amen? But nagging him, trying to change him, and all of that, he says, it's not going to work. This is what works. But that's what God's giving to us. This is empowerment. God is empowering you as a wife to change your husband. If God can change the one that is not saved... How much more he can change the one that's already saved by your good conduct and your devotion to God and respect. God can do that. Amen? This is so beautiful. Theresa is telling me you better quit. <laughs> it's about time. She's not going to like me for that, but I can handle that. Because I'm not quitting, Teresa. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to close with this. <laughs> What's the problem? It's church. You guys can forgive me. God commanded you to forgive me. You got no choice. You'll listen to me. Amen. Proverbs 4 verse 1. It says, The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. Notice, according to this scripture, it's not the man that builds the house. Who builds the house? The woman. Do you know the way the, the people of the world say it? Behind every successful 
man is what? A woman. That's the way they, they understand it. But it's your place to build your house. You set everything in motion. Without nagging everything, you can actually build your house. And you can allow that house to be built in a, on a solid foundation of God. Now, let me say this this morning. If you are here and you're hearing my words and you're thinking, well, it's not, it's not, it hasn't worked for me that way. I feel right now, I feel like a failure. Let me tell you, there is something called the grace of God. God always gives a new beginning. God says, I make all things new. He's able to do it. And God can give you a starting place this morning. Amen? God will give you a starting place this morning. Because you're hearing my voice this morning, in the name of Jesus, I believe God has already set things in motion to make things well in your home. Stand up with me this morning. God's taking us somewhere. Amen? And we are going to be established in him. I believe that I was going to start talking about raising the children. Next week, Sunday, is very, very important. Because I'm going to be talking about raising children. And come prepared. Because I believe God's going to give you something that is so powerful that you can rest on. And no matter what's happening with your children, they are going to be okay. I guarantee you. God's going to be sharing that with us. Let's lift our hands before the Lord. Thank you, God. And just worship him right now because he is with you. The Lord wants you to know that he is able to take care of everything that concerns you. And that he cares about you he loves you. He'll never let you out of his sight. He has the best for you and wants to bless you mightily. God strengthening you right now and strengthening everything that is weak in your life. God's changing those things and making them right today by the power of his name. You are blessed of the Lord today in the name of Jesus, you are blessed of the Lord because God is restoring everything that the enemy is taking away from you. God's restoring those things today. Let your hearts be open to the Lord, to his goodness and his mercy. God's goodness coming your way. God's mercy coming your way. God's blessing you right now. Thank you, Father. I come against every demonic attack against the families that are here before me today. In the name of Jesus, I speak peace upon every family. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Put your hands down and every head bow, all eyes closed. You see, God wants to grow his family. And he wants you to be a part of his family. If you have not totally committed your life and your family to him. 
If you're here this morning and you're saying, I want to commit my life and my family to God this morning, would you raise your hand up quickly right now? Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Let me see your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give everything to the Lord. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I give everything to you. I accept you, Lord, as my Lord and my Master. By your grace, I will do everything that you command me to do. Thank you, Lord. I am blessed beyond measure. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We're dismissed.